Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sheila Shaw again, and welcome to Ready To Be Real Conversations, the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognise, others you might not, but my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort, or simply entertain you. This is the second part of the conversation I had with Ireland's only clinical sexologist, Emily Power-Smith. And in this episode, she answers a selection of your questions that were sent in on Instagram. And it starts with advice on how best to speak to our kids and our teenagers about their bodies and sex. So in terms of kids, um, I suppose really it comes back to uh, empowering them to be comfortable in their own bodies. Spot on. Yeah. 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 For the start. So... <laughs> it's very tricky to teach your children to be comfortable in their own skin if you're not comfortable in your own skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because as you know, as a mum, kids will copy you way more than they'll do what you tell them to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> very inconveniently a lot of the time. So I, I'll hear from mothers, oh, I don't know why my child is so fixated on their weight. I'm like, well, how are you about your weight? Oh, I'm all so overweight. And Well, you know, there's going to be a clue in there. Mm-hmm. Um so the first thing, so that's really challenging, isn't it? So, oh my God, if I want my child to grow up confident, I have to work on my own confidence. Well, it'll help. It'll certainly help. Absolutely. Because they'll see how you look in the mirror. They'll see what the little comments you make as you pass the mirror. They'll see you being comfortable naked or not. Yeah. They'll see how you speak about yourself in underwear. What underwear you choose to wear. Is it all spanks all the time? You know, kids learn. They watch. This is how to adult. So they're watching all and kids want to be adults so quickly all the time. So, you know, a lot of them. So they're going to copy. So the first thing 
oh, that's so hard for people is how can you be comfortable in your own skin? Yeah. And if you're not, how can you expect your child to be? I mean, you've got to be on the same journey, I think. It's the easier way anyway. Um, so from a, around two, you know, you can start talking about body parts if they're seeing body parts and certainly their own body parts and calling them by their real names. Yeah. Their names, you know, the word vulva, the word penis, testicles, they're no harder to say than elbow or earlobe or eyelash, you know, and you're teaching your children all these words. And so the reason you do that is so that the child is clear, they're confident, they know what they're talking about, and that is empowerment at an early age. And that's just about body parts. And again, it seems incredibly childish that for a lot of people, and I'll be honest, myself included, my son, Cahill, he knows that his penis is his penis, but we also have a play word for it as well. By but four, it, that's perfect. But in saying that, I know so many people that would struggle to say vulva, vagina, penis, testicles, that that would be, oh, no, no, no. And certainly to children, that would seem wrong. Because again, this is what we've been taught. So so children pick up on that. Yeah. Why Why am I uncomfortable? Why why is this whole part of my body not named? Why is it giggly? That's shame again, isn't it? That's shame. Yeah. Call it what you like, but it's shame. Shame. So, so again, again, that's for parents to challenge themselves a little bit if they're interested in doing a better job. They, that's how you do a better job. You can't skirt around the language and think you're going to do a much of a better job. You may still, depending on how bad the job was your parents did, you may still be doing a better job. But if you want to do it, you know, a way that we know works based on global research, mm. this is what works. If a child goes into school and they, I don't know, they have a little rash on their bum that they didn't get to tell their mummy about in the morning and it's bugging them, they can go to someone, they can say exactly what's wrong with them and exactly where. Or, when you know, they it is it is shown time and time again that children feel ashamed and they feel embarrassed when they say, oh, my, you know, my, I don't know, think what's a word, what's a pet word for something. So I was brought up in my house. The word for penis was giggy. Okay. Nobody okay. else had heard of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd go into school and I'd be talking about giggies. And nobody knew what a giggy was. And so I was really confused and everyone didn't. So, you know, so words <laughs> were, I don't know why it was called, I still don't know why it was called giggy, mm. but were, words um, are really very powerful. Yeah. And giving your children the correct terminology empowers them to be able to describe, you know, and we worry about children being being meddled with or being touched inappropriately. Again, if they know the language. Yeah. God, you're really making me think because the last thing you want to do as well is embarrass your child in a situation where they have to explain there's something exactly. wrong and somebody doesn't understand and they're going, well, yeah. at home, everybody understands what I'm saying. Why do they not understand? Exactly. And suddenly it's hitting them while there's oh, a problem. God, yeah. The other thing is, you know, even and it can seem really naive and well-intentioned. But then in that course, situation, it, often, it is well-intentioned. Yeah. These are parents who love their children and want to protect. But them. I'm one of them. As I said, he, while he, know, he does know the official term, we do also have a play name. Yeah, but I think that's OK once they know the, 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 okay. the real word. Because, I mean, you know, look, most people don't talk about their genitals using the correct terminology with their with their people with their partners or their person or whoever yeah you know, pet names and uh, they're fine they're you know, they're part of of life but it's not okay if it's all they have yeah so so then you know um getting a little bit older it's very you know we've we've there's imagery now of of little baby boys holding their penises in utero in mm. utero mm. so this is a natural thing 
it, there's nothing dirty or dangerous or scary about little children touching their genitals. It's sure. It's probably going to feel nice for them. It's a comfort. It's that simple. Yeah, yeah. It's not sexual. The only reason when, when adults get get worried about it, it's when they're they're actually they're actually projecting adult values and meanings onto what children are doing. And then, of course, it would be worrying if that was the, the reason. But it isn't the reason. And doesn't that say more about the adult than it does the child? So if, if you well, have... Totally, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so if you have a little boy and he is playing with his penis, which is completely normal because um, it's part of his body. And I would play you know, with my penis if I had Yeah, one. exactly. <laughs> I do play with my clitoris a lot. But... Well, I've even <laughs> lost my train of thought. You were saying, uh, so have I. Oh, just about parents, or not parents, but adults. Mm, that says more it's about kind of them. saying, oh, no, don't be playing, you know, take your hand away or don't be doing that. Yeah. Don't you're, have pleasure. You're creating an issue. Don't have pleasure. Yeah, don't have pleasure. Genitals aren't meant to, you know, the message is ple- either pleasure is bad or you shouldn't be getting pleasure from doing that. And again, it's massively confusing because the child is feeling pleasure. So they have nowhere to go with that. So they're 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 already beginning to get confused about what's acceptable, what isn't, what's you know what's okay to to do. And certainly they're not going to talk about it to parents who won't can't normalize it. So again, if they get into any confusion or difficulties at any point with anybody else, they tend not to go to the parents who have shut them down. They tend to go to the parents who have normalized conversations around body parts and pleasure because if you teach your child about pleasuring themselves and this is pleasure this isn't sexual well, it's not adult sexual pleasure mm-hmm. it's if if they enjoyed rubbing their elbow they'd rub their elbow mm. enjoy rubbing their little girls might find little girls will often it's so interesting little boys you know they get erections they get their little their their mickeys their penises their willies they hang out they we see them i'm sure that's why they're talked about i'm sure if they were tucked away like female like the clitoris we probably wouldn't talk about them nearly as much but they are out there so little girls will tend to find that they rub against something and it feels really good they don't know what's going on but yeah. it might be a cuddly toy or a blankie or something like that and they'll rub against it or a chair arm of a chair or something you know um So, you know, if they are taught that that's perfectly normal, healthy, natural thing to do, then the next conversation is about public and private. Yes. Yes. So we all do it. Yeah, I I see you playing with your your penis. Daddy does that sometimes as well. But you're never going to see daddy doing that because that's his private thing that he just does on his own. And you can have a private thing that you do just on your own. Yeah. And that's the conversation that starts to happen there. And it has to happen repeatedly because kids don't want to always do it privately you know mm-hmm. and, and some kids liked you know they, they they don't see anything wrong with it so they're more comfortable with it but it's just repeated these conversations need to be happening all the time daily just mm-hmm. a little 10 second conversation just a little mention it's a little public private you know pleasure is good public isn't yeah 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 <laughs> you know yeah and so that's around four onwards for a little while um, and then checking in with children so that they don't think that that's something that now that they can't be talked about. So I suppose when 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 people are wondering, uh, especially because, again, a lot of questions about how do I speak to my teenager? It's not about having the talk at a certain age. That doesn't work. It doesn't work. Well. It's about peppering it and normalizing and 
having those conversations from yeah. an early age. Yeah. So is it pre-puberty or is yeah. it pre the teenage years that you even discuss kind of more robust conversation about sex? And when, I think when it is, depends on your child yeah. and depends on the situation, but you do need to read it. You do need to really look at your child, look at their friends, look at the older siblings of their friends, look at their what they are engaging in, being very vigilant about what they're seeing because it's just on a phone. They can be seeing stuff and, and children are curious. So, you know, getting some good information for them, some really nice books, some really nice and, and just talking to kids, drawing with them about body parts and pleasure and different things normalizing it that way your child is much more likely to speak to you about anything they see or any questions they have rather than not speak about it so again you're not going into porn you're not going into sex with them at that age necessarily but you are explaining that there are things that they might get to see that aren't real and you can use movies as a great example um, and that they can always come to you to talk about this stuff but you have to go to children it's not good enough to say you can come to me with any questions kids don't tend to come to parents with questions a lot of kids don't so the parents need to go to the children mm. and show them how to ask the questions show them that you're open to listening to to hearing the questions and um, so there's a little bit of work that goes into it but it's 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 how you're setting them up for for ongoing so if your child then learns about sex at eight you need to go there with them mm. and you need to find out what they learned and you need to find out how and what they saw and then give them something that's really useful um, around around what sex is. So you're always asking them where they're at before yeah. you. So you can't say eight is the age or 10 is the age. You're talking to your kid and finding out where they're at with it all the time so that you'll figure out when it's appropriate time to to talk about them about the next stage. Yeah. And the next stage may be about touch and safe touch and boundaries. And, and, you know, you'd have been doing this from a much earlier age, how it's okay to say no to certain people about your body, da 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 da, da. I mean, It's so important. So, so important. important. Huge volume of messages about um, libido, mm. particularly those who are having, a, you know, a, like a low sex drive or none at all, no interest yeah. at all in sex. Yeah. So, um, I suppose, generally speaking, the questions were, what can I do or any tips? I'm increasing it. And I suppose it's impossible to, to, you know, to answer for everyone without knowing their personal circumstances. But a lot of people struggling um, with the dip that perhaps their sex life is taking. But yeah. As you said earlier, it can be various different reasons. Yeah. And it's bonkers to imagine that two people who begin their relationship are going to remain at a constant level uh, equitable level of, of desire. We're human. You don't you don't desire this, your favorite wine always. You desire so this is a sensual act. So you're going to have dips and troughs and and peaks that aren't going to match each other. That's what's going to happen. That's okay. Um, again, it's back to what feels pleasurable for you. So if you're trying to do sex the way you used to do sex when you liked sex or when you didn't like it but you pretended you liked it or whatever may be going on behind, you're going to set yourself up to, for, for difficulty. It, so it's always about what do I like now? So why are you? Why do you have a dip in libido? So first thing is look at your life situation. What's going on for you? Do you need to rest? Do you need to not put pressure on yourself at the moment? Can you trust yourself? Can your partner trust you to be able to have a dip and to come back to it? That's one thing. The next, so not to, not to think that you have to achieve this as well as everything else. Check 
your, your resources, your internal resources. The next thing is to, rem to find out what you enjoy. I don't enjoy the same touch that I enjoyed in my 30s. Mm -hmm. I'm a different person now. We're organic creatures. We change. Our nerve sensitivity changes our, depending on our hormones, depending on our, our health, depending on whether we've had babies or not. All these things can affect, uh, for men, testosterone levels. All these things will affect how we enjoy touch. Yeah. So self-love, which is an approach to masturbation, which I teach, is what I think is really useful. Be on your own without the pressure of pleasing anyone else and learn what touch feels pleasurable. Don't worry about orgasm. Don't worry about erections. Don't worry about anything else. Just pleasure. Mm. Start there. Mm. Learn what you enjoy and start to build it that way. So obviously, if you're overweight, very overweight for some people, that lowers libido. If you're on certain medications, it's going to lower libido. If you are, uh, your hormones, uh, your sex hormones are low, it's going to lower libido. No amount of talk therapy is going to correct, correct a physiological issue. So it's important to, to get checked always to find out there's nothing physiologically different going on because then you need to be kind to yourself and not blame yourself for having a low libido if there's something going on with you hormonally for example and is that is that going to your gp is that the first port of call or gps not? gps are tricky you know you need to find a gp who gives a damn about sexual well-being i don't know many of them but there okay. are some out there i think possibly family planning clinics might be better again it's hit and miss in ireland unfortunately um, but really what you're, you're, you're wanting to, you don't want to be thrown antidepressants and you don't want to be, you know, thrown via, for Viagra until that'll sort you out. You, if that's the level of your doctor, then they're probably not going to be massively helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a great, there are great people, testosterone.ie, great people for helping men who have issues with low libido and, and erection difficulties and all of that sort of thing. And they work with you in a full holistic lifestyle approach, which I love. Okay, great. They're a great resource. Um, so for, for women, for women, it's, I'm a great resource yeah, and, yeah, and absolutely. depending on your age and I'll always, I'll always answer questions without people having to come to me for therapy. If I possibly can, I want to say this about long. How would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study? People that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Term relationships. That once the honeymoon period is over, six months to two years, depends, that's only a guideline. You know, it is normal for women in relationships to, as time goes on, maybe longer into the relationship, to not be on the simmer all the time. It changes. We need to decide to get sexual. We need to decide to get turned on and then take action to get turned on and then become turned on if the action is up to scratch. So it's not a sign that there's a problem with you if you're not walking around thinking about sex all the time or if your partner approaches you for sex and you're going, hmm, sex or a big dirty pile of washing. I'd prefer the washing. That's normal. That's okay. If there's, the relationship is good, obviously, if there's yeah. relational issues, it's different. But yeah. there are a lot of women who are loved and love their partners and fancy their partners. And they're like, why would I prefer to do the ironing? What's going on with me? Women need to decide they want to get sexual. Okay. Men, and I'm again generalizing, and this is a heterosexual model, yeah. and it isn't always this way. It can be the other way around. Uh -huh. People, there's often in a partnership, one person who gets their intimacy and their closeness from the sexual acts and another who needs to feel intimacy and closeness in order to want to be sexual. I getcha, yeah. Again, going back to we're all different. Yeah. And communication is obviously key. Yeah. And communication with yourself. I know that sounds a bit kind of American, but communication with you, really listening to yourself, really understanding yourself rather than berating yourself and yeah. beating yourself up. Actually, what's going on for me? Why don't do I enjoy sex? Do I get anything out of it? Well, if I don't, why would I want it? Mm -hmm. If it hurts, if I'm not, you know, you're not going to want something that isn't pleasurable. Yeah. So it's back to, is it pleasurable? And how can I find out what pleasure means to me now? I'm jumping ahead now to you questions work away. Hit about me. painful sex. Yeah. Big, big issue for a lot of females, yeah. a lot of people who have vaginas. Yeah. And, and, and I, I will be honest quite a few messages from women with a condition that I, in my ignorance, hadn't heard of before. Um, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Vaginismus? Vaginismus. Is that the one? That's the one. When I looked it up, I went, OK, that's what it is. I didn't know. So can you explain mm. people listening? So again, it's massively overdiagnosed. Right. And a lot of women diagnose themselves or get given a diagnosis by someone who shouldn't really be giving that diagnosis. Oh, and based again, the on damage of the, of the label. Labels are just, yeah, like dysfunction is a lot harder to live with than difficulty. Yeah. And the majority of people I work with have difficulties and challenges, not dysfunction. And what is it? So vaginismus is when the muscles at the entrance to the vagina are, are tightly closed so that nothing can penetrate the vagina. Mm -hmm. There are different degrees. Everything is a continuum. There are different degrees of vaginismus. Vaginismus can happen all the time so that a person can't get a smear or they can't insert a tampon or and, it, and it's on their own and it's with partners. That's all the time. Yeah. And that's 
more of an issue. And then there are the situational vaginismus where it's only with partners. Yeah. They can use tampons. They, they're, they, you know, so then, then it's going to be. Um, that's great. They have some areas where they're okay, and then you build on the strengths, and that's a different, slightly different type of work. But that's basically what it is. So if you can, if you, and and it needs to be happening all the time for three to six months, depending on which diagnosis model you want to go with, for it to be a diagnosis of vaginismus. Um, and I would imagine so many different causes for it. A lot of different causes. A lot of the cause for younger women, for example, can be that their initial few penetrative experiences were really painful. So the body's just doing a really good thing for them. It's protecting, protecting. the vagina from pain. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of young women are put on birth control before they um, even are sexually active or when they become sexually active. And, and a lot of birth control can affect a lot of females in regards to natural lubrication and prevent natural lubrication. So it doesn't matter how turned on you are, if you're having sex with a dry vagina, it's going to hurt. Have a few of those experiences as your formative experiences, and it's quite likely you might develop something like vaginismus or a a version of it along the continuum. So we touched on this in the um, menopause episodes where uh, Catherine O'Keefe, the menopause expert, spoke about um, vaginal moisturizers and different products that could be useful to women, particularly who are going through perimenopause and menopause, because naturally, as our Estrogen's hormones change, drop, yeah. yeah, we we are not producing yeah. as, as much fluid and we, as we yeah, would. And yeah. we still want to have sex. Yeah. And yeah, and it can be uncomfortable. So we need help with that. Yeah. Would you recommend in situations with dryness, with pain, with it being uncomfortable to embrace looking at good quality products that will help absolutely organic if you put organic in your mouth put them in your vagina your mouth and vagina are equally um, absorbent okay. so it goes straight into your bloodstream so i'm not a fan of of lubes that don't even have the ingredients on the packet uh, so i like yes organics it's made by women that's the one she mentioned actually yeah, yeah. we're both fans of it mm. um so that's what i i certainly you can also organic coconut oil is lovely for self-loving uh-huh. It's not thick enough for penetration. Okay. But it's nice and moisturizing. It's got a good pH for the vagina. It's perfectly safe. It's not safe. For the outside, not internally. You can use it internally. I wouldn't so much, but it's not going to do you any harm okay. is what I'm saying. Uh, any oil-based lube is not safe with condoms. Oil-based lube is thicker and will last longer. Water-based lube is the more commonly used lube because... It's safe with toys. It's safe with condoms. It doesn't mark your sheets. Um, but the thing about it is that it, if you have a dry vagina, it's going to get absorbed into the tissue very quickly. So you need to reapply and reapply and reapply. Um, and that can be annoying. So the, for, for very dry vaginas, uh, oil-based would be more appropriate. Some women like silicone-based, which is a really slippery and lasts longer as well, but it is a man-made product. You're not going to get a natural silicone. So again, it just it's personal preference. But you don't want... if you're So if you have a dry vagina, by the way, you're more prone to UTIs and thrush and those sorts of infections and, and irritations. If you have a dry vagina, that's when you really don't want the flavoured... Uh, uh, lubes or lubes that are sweet or lubes that have hot and cold um, effects because they're full of chemicals and they're going to irritate and any lube that has a sweet taste has sweeteners in it often sugars you put that into a vagina that's prone to thrush 
you're going to get a lot of thrush. Okay, of course. So it's Makes important. Yeah, yeah, it's important to understand about lubes. It's good to point that out, though. And do you know what? What we'll, 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 we'll try and do. By the I way, just sorry, just to say lube. Everyone, everyone, whoever you are, should have lube by their bed. A good lube. It's magnificent for for masturbation. It makes hand jobs so easy. You know, and we should we should be using it on this delicate part of the skin, even if you lubricate well. Let's try and fly through. Fly through. Sorry, yeah, I'll try Not and a, keep don't, my Don't answers. be sorry. Don't be sl- sorry in the slightest. You mentioned them there, and again, there were a lot of questions about sex toys. Uh, curious to get your take on it. Which ones are best? Do's and don'ts. Do you approve or not? I I take it that you do. Love them. Yeah. Use them all the time. Have a load of them as as uh, samples uh, to show people and teach people. It's very much a personal choice. I'm a believer in using body safe products. Again, because our vaginas are very um, absorbent. Um, those jelly ones and the ones that have smells. You know they're not safe. Okay. They're going to release, is it phthalates? I can never say that word. Or, you know, those nasty uh, chemicals okay. into your bloodstream. Right. I don't like them. So I'm a, a fan of spending a bit more money on your toy. The problem with that is you need to try some before you spend the money on the toy. And, so and you can't exactly get a refund afterwards. Funnily yeah. enough, yeah. um, <laughs> if you can, you don't want to be buying from there. Um, yeah. So what I suggest to people is go cheap, pop a condom over it, See what type of toy you like and then spend more money on one that, that you can use without a condom. The condom will protect you. So, you you know, because they're expensive, like a good toy that's safe, body safe, is probably going to be around 100 quid. Okay. And that's a lot of money for people. So you can buy one for 20 or 30. It's not going to be good for your body, but you can get an idea of what you like. And it's personal preference. Some people are into them, some people not so much. I think that, I think, you know... There, there are all different kinds. We need to know that a lot of toys are made for women who are never going to insert them. They're for external clitoral stimulation. So a lot of women are put off toys because they think they're going to have to get a phallic shaped one that they're going to have to insert and that that's what you use them for. That is one way to use toys. But many, many women use their sex toys without insertion. Yeah. And so that opens it up for a lot of people. As you're older and you need more time to get aroused, more time to reach orgasm, toys are fantastic. They avoid lockjaw. They avoid, you know, tired limbs, <laughs> tired wrists, you know, and, and they are really, really useful as an adage to partner sex. Um, but also on your own, they're fantastic. And the partner doesn't need to feel threatened by the introduction of a toy. The partner needs to focus on your pleasure. If you get pleasure from toys, what is the problem? Nothing, nothing can, can, can swap out a human. Yeah. There's no. nothing like hands, mouths, breath, smell, body, movement, connection, connection intimacy, presence, yeah. sexiness. A toy is a toy. Heterosexual men will often choose the most ridiculous toys for their partners without asking them. Big, okay. gigantic donkey cock thing <laughs> the, the women are just like get that away from me that could be used as a draft excluder I don't, I don't want I don't want I hope I can oh use bad language God, it's brilliant. Um, so it's always very important to involve both people or as many people are in the relationship oh the other thing I was going to say that's never really talked about much is the difference when you're choosing your toy you can get toys that go from a deep rumble to a high-pitched buzz, like a, a, a buzzy gnat. Um, and depending on your age and your experience of toys, the higher-pitched 
buzz tends to suit newer people to toys and the deeper the rumble tends to suit more experienced or older vulvas uh, because they tend to give a deeper growl that gets deeper into the internal clitoris. Fascinating. It's not really talked about that much. They talk about loudness and power, but actually the, the, the rumble is, to me, is, the, is the, the whole point. Okay. Okay, another question here. My boyfriend, he's in his mid-30s. He keeps losing his erection just before sex. He says he's very attracted to me and he doesn't know what's wrong. I've tried to ask what he needs, but nothing seems to work. So he's, again, if it's just before sex, if he can get erections and hold erections, when it isn't just about to turn into penetration, it's probably not a physiological problem. It's probably a psychological problem and it's probably performance anxiety. And so I would, you know, that's that's not something that, that can be fixed here. But I would say that it's it's the one of the most common issues that men deal with. Mm. There's a lot he can do. It won't get better without help. Okay. Okay. And it's psychological. It's probably worry. So I would take the pressure off. For example, one thing I'd suggest, just having said I couldn't do anything here, is I would say um, stop trying to have penetration. Just focus on having pleasure with each other. Take penetration off the cards for a month or six weeks and be sexual with each other as much as you can without any expectation of that penis going into any orifice. Mm, Take the pressure off. Take the pressure off the penis. When you've been brought up to view sex as dirty, how do you change that mindset as an adult? Again, it's... I don't know any other way other than going and looking for shameless people and reading them and watching them and listening to them and giving yourself permission to change. It can happen. It's amazing. It's a wonderful journey. You want to listen and find filthy people who are proud of, of that and are shameless. And the best person place to start is Betty Dodson. Okay. Uh, she died last September at 91. She's one of my mentors and friends. Amazing woman. She taught about sexual pleasure for 50 years okay. in Manhattan. Amazing, amazing woman. And so you can see her on YouTube with her, her partner, Carlin Ross, who's still going and, and keeping her legacy going. And she speaks about sex and writes about sex. In, she is, was, is, will always be completely shameless and a wonderful place to start. Expect to be shocked. Okay. It's good for you. Good. I'm going to include, I'm going to get some information uh, from you at the end of the chat and include that in the show notes so people can click in and get some information. Um, Sex after infidelity. How can I overcome it? That is, I would, couldn't possibly say, does it, is it, is it appropriate to overcome it? Has the relationship recovered? And how much is your partner helping you to overcome it? Sometimes the pressure can be put on the person who was cheated on to overcome this without the person who cheated doing an awful lot to help. So I would need to know so much more about about what their dynamic is. It's not an easy thing to do. And, and, and the first question is, is it the appropriate thing to do? Yeah. In other words, is, it, is that person going to not do that again? And all the other questions that are so important. Yeah, so complicated. And it takes time to heal. Again, you can't do trust. You can't do forgiveness. It takes time. It's a process. And it is possible. It is possible. But, you know, it's also... It's not possible for everyone. And, it's not and, possible for everyone, and, yeah. But it is possible for yeah. some people, yeah. Usually you need a bit of help with it, professional mm. help with that. Yeah. 
It's hard to negotiate. There's so much. Yeah. Mm. A lot of questions as well on perimenopause and menopause and sex. So loss of sex drive, lack of confidence and body ch- changes and all that go with it. Um, there was a lot. I just felt from the questions that were coming in, there was a lot of frustration and sadness, actually. Yeah, well, there's loss that goes with that. And that's healthy. That's natural to feel loss. Loss isn't something to avoid. You it's know? a grief in its own it's way. It's a grief and mm. it's OK to grieve it and still have wonderful relationships start with yourself how can you love your body now that it's changing yeah how can you look at yourself in the mirror and see your body for what the, for the pleasure it can give you and refocus on the pleasure you can get and if you're not getting pleasure then that's where to start with your self-love and slowing it down getting some lovely lube getting some self-massage some vulva massage going without any trying to get yourself off or any expectation and allowing the emotions that might come with the loss around your body shape or whatever it is to come feel them yeah it's okay it's going to be okay i know in this conversation we focused mainly i suppose really on heterosexual women and men and you know sexuality is so much more than that we obviously know that so I suppose what I'm trying to say is can we book in another date yeah <laughs> to absolutely. do another podcast down the line because I know there would be so much more that we could cover in a further podcast but I'm so grateful to you I think you really gave a good sense of what you do and what you talk about which is sex positivity and yeah. and having that sense of comfort in your own skin and feeling empowered and I hope people listening will have got that as well from listening to you any final words before I let you go slow down be kind to yourself and 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 chase your pleasure and just give yourself some give yourself just just wait just rest just take time just don't try and do this just feel it feel your way through it and reach out for help if you need to there's lots of people like me who are doing great work reach out for help you're not alone there are lots of people going through similar experiences because the, the human condition is it involves all the complications of everything to be human. And sex is just a part of that. It's not a straight line. It's going to be squiggly. It's going to you're going to need to uh, to navigate with if you can do it with kindness. You're going to be OK. Mm. Emily, thank you so much. Uh, this has been, I think, a very enlightening and practical conversation for people. Um, if they want to find more, they can find you online on your website. Yeah. So my website is empowersme.com and I'm also on Facebook and Instagram at empowersme as well. OK, thank you so much for this. Thank you. Emily and I are joining an impressive lineup of 16 international speakers, including medical and scientific experts, for the Menopause Success Summit 2021. It's a one-day virtual event which is happening on Saturday the 25th of September. And if you're interested, click on the link in the show notes for more information. I really hope you enjoyed our conversation. And if you like my podcast, please consider showing your support. It only takes a minute, I promise, and I would be so grateful. You can leave a rating or a little comment on Apple, or you can simply click follow on Spotify. You've been listening to Ready To Be Real Conversations. 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.